0: A start On Demand. On Demand.
1: Everyone's hungrier and eating more these days. Well, is there a meat supply issue coming down the chain? That could be the next problem hitting our stores. For Breakfast with the Bombers, we spoke with quarterback Zach Caleros, who is now a proud papa. We'll speak with Bar Italia, whose patio is among the most famous in Winnipeg, and this season, they're getting a creative facelift in the wake of the pandemic. And Greg and I boarded the nostalgia train yesterday because we were watching that Last Dance documentary on Michael Jordan, and we pulled out some of our old sports memorabilia, so we want to know what kind of old stuff are you hoarding in your home? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, April 21st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. It's no secret that my sleep patterns on the weekend are at an absolute train wreck, but it seems that it's now invading my weekdays. Because uh, I joked last night in our group chat, uh, Loren said that she did some extra work last night and told us to just chill in the morning and don't rush into work. And I joked that oh, okay, good. When I wake up at 1 a.m. on my couch, I won't panic. Well, as it turns out, I, w- <laughs> I did end up falling asleep on the couch. I woke up at midnight. And for about three minutes, I thought it was Friday night.
2: <laughs> oh, we like lost five days. Yeah. And what, I, were you, what, were you, what was happening in the sleep of yours? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I must have had some sort of crazy dreams because it felt like a long time had passed. And then I said, no, it's not Friday. It's Wednesday morning. No, it's Tuesday morning. <laughs> Wednesday. So, All right. Yeah, you, yesterday, McNabb, you said Mondays suck. But for me, Tuesday is always the worst day of the week.
2: Really? Yep. Because you can power through the Monday, right? And then Tuesday's when realities. See, I've got a new plan for you. You need to get rid of that couch and become one of those people that has like just a chair in their living room, like a really uncomfortable chair. And then you'll just have no choice but to go to bed. Yeah. And stop sleeping on that couch.
0: Yeah, like a bed of nails or something. Yes. <laughs> better, better than a bed of roses. Uh I'm channeling my Bon Jovi inner Bon Jovi here. <laughs>
2: Oh, you're serenading him. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
1: well, Macklin, you got a garage full of junk. Maybe you got something in there that I could use what as, do you uh, need? as a chair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you need? I'll tell you if I've got it in stock or not. I got everything.
1: <laughs> well, and actually, coming up at 6:45, we're going to talk about the the old junk that we might have hoarded away somewhere in our home because yesterday, Mackling and I both watching The Last Dance on Netflix, that new Michael Jordan documentary. The first two episodes were spectacular, by the way, but it got us both feeling nostalgic, so I pulled out my old... I don't have any Chicago Bulls gear, but I do have an old David Robinson jersey from the San Antonio Spurs, number 50, the Admiral. So I pulled that out of my closet and tried it on. I've had this since I was like 14 years old, And uh, I'm wearing it right now. So, and then, but Mackling, you pulled out like a full-blown Mr. Dress-Up tickled trunk of uh, assorted sports (laughs) memorabilia.
0: What was the name of that uh, Cirque du Soleil production, the Curios, the Cabinet of Curiosities? Yes. I have about (laughs) 18 Rubbermaid containers full of Curiosities, and I had the boys down here with me yesterday. We started pulling some of them out because I was intent on showing them a couple of things in particular. My Michael Jordan's Wheaties box... A satin starter Chicago Bulls jacket that I wore proudly for years. My Michael Jordan jersey that I got for Christmas, I think it was in 1990. And a couple of other things, including, do you remember the, the Michael Jordan poster where he's just out? He's standing, looking forward. He's got his arms out and he's palming a basketball. It's called Wings. And it's about six feet long, this poster, and about three feet high. It it's, uh, would be like a landscape portrait, and I wanted to show them that. And that led into all sorts of other things coming out of the closet. So we had, we had a blast for about five hours yesterday, treasure hunting. That's fun.
1: That's, did you happen to watch any of that documentary, McNabb? I don't know. I can't remember if you're interested. No, I
2: went to queue it up. And, uh, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to wait for the kids where they're downstairs playing. And I thought might be one of those. We're looking for so many things now. Like I've, we've watched so many random shows as a family because you're trying to do things together, but you can only go on so many walks and sleep in the tent so many times. And so no, we haven't yet, but we're going to get to it. I'd like to do it with everybody.
1: Coronavirus outbreak at a meat packing facility in High River, Alberta, has led operators to temporarily idle processes there.
2: So effective yesterday, and this came from a st- statement from the company, employees at the Cargill Meat Solutions plant were beginning the process of idling operations at that plant. There have been 360 individuals with COVID-19, and now one death. Global News reporter Jill Croto has more.
3: The concern is definitely escalating here as one death has now been linked to the Cargill processing plant. Alberta Health revealing late today that a female employee in her 60s tested positive for COVID-19 and died as a result. Some of the other positive cases here at the facility have also been connected in part two because of carpooling and other living arrangements between certain employees.
0: Our next guest wrote in a statement uh, yesterday before the Cargill plant closure. Unlike other plants affected by COVID 19, Cargill. Chose to keep operating after seeing employees contracting COVID 19, but opted to slow down production to allow for cleaning and physical spacing to be possible. To discuss COVID 19 meat of the matter, we welcome a regular contributor to 680 CGOB and the start, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, Senior Director at the Agri Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in. Halifax, and of course uh, Sylvain, uh, what's happening in Nova Scotia at the top of so many Canadians' minds, and uh, we would be remiss if we did not send our condolences to you and and uh, your your friends and family in that part of the world.
4: Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I mean, we really we really appreciate the support coming from all over the world uh, and across the country. Obviously, it's uh, this is. Uh, I mean, it's. T- uh, and of course, uh, given the fact that we can't really mourn and grieve uh, like together physically, <laughs> uh, it's been tough, absolutely. So thank you very much. Of course, uh, Sylvain so uh, what effect will this closure uh, of this plant in Alberta
0: have on Canada's food supply chain?
4: Uh, it's It's hard to tell that it's I suspect that most consumers won't even notice the difference uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, inventories are pretty high uh, across the supply chain in in warehousing, well wholesaling. Uh, there's plenty of stock there in distribution as well. Uh, we, I think the supply chain can actually absorb um, a lockdown over in High River. Uh, to be honest, uh, of course Brooks is still operational, uh, Guelph as well, which is operated by Cargill. Uh, so th- those are those are good news. Uh, but of course. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point uh, COVID would impact other meatpacking plants. I mean, this—if uh, I were a virus, I would love meatpacking plants because it's it's humid, it's cool, uh, and and of course, uh, and you you mentioned that earlier. The, the the biggest problem I think is the fact that uh, risks have to be managed outside the plant too, and and companies like Cargill aren't necessarily hardwired to manage risks once employees leave the facility. And and that was the problem in Quebec with uh, with Alimel. Uh, they had to close for two weeks. F. Menard and Argyaldine, same thing. Uh, employees were bused into work every day, and physical distancing was impossible uh, on a bus. So there's lots of these things happening right now that are taking, uh, that are surprising companies, like Cargill. I mean, Cargill is a really good risk manager, but I, I don't think they actually understood the implications of COVID.
1: So then you write. As COVID-19 ravages communities across North America, many analysts believe that meatpacking plants where employees work physically close to each other are the next ground zero for the spread of COVID-19. We are likely in the worst of it right now. Over a dozen plants have had to close over the last two weeks with at least five in Canada. Does this plant in Alberta make six closures? And, and what does it tell us about the risks these workers are taking to process our food?
4: The, there's... Um with uh, with some of these plants, I mean, some of these plants are 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 old. I mean, the High River plant is 31 years old, uh, and uh, the one in Brooks, Alberta, is uh, I believe 45 years old. Plant 38, and so in food safety years, that's an eternity because <laughs> it's pre BSE. Free a lot of stuff, and uh, and so the the auto, the level of automation and robotics is is very low, and uh, unlike other sectors in dairy, for example, beverages. I mean, the, these sectors, uh, processing sectors, uh, you, you see a way more high tech uh, bread bakery as well. There's few humans on the floor, really. When you visit the, one, some of these plants, there's basically anybody. I visited um, Brooks uh, during the XL Foods investigation back in 2012, and it's it's not modern. Uh, it, of course, they've they've retrofitted the place over and over again. I suspect in the High River it's the same thing, but you still have humans. They employ the same amount of people as 15, 20 years ago, and that's that's when you're dealing with a pandemic, that's a problem.
2: We just have about 30 seconds, Sylvain. Short term, you think that the plants could potentially weather the storm in terms of the supply continuing to the grocery stores. Long term, if we see this kind of spread to other plants, what's the concern?
4: Well, if if all plants shut down at once, that's a problem, but I don't think it's going to happen, uh, thank goodness. And I know you guys in, 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 in Manitoba have... Also have uh, major plants, and uh, and I suspect that uh, that companies are 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 looking at other cases right now, trying to learn from uh, from what what is happening across the country. The Americans are in the same boat. What's peculiar about this outbreak is that Europe has been spared because how because of how modern some of these facilities are, but in North America, it's it's we're in the worst of it. But still, I actually don't think that consumers will we'll see a problem because, well, there's, the, the supply chain is actually quite robust, and it was kind of re- getting ready for this.
1: Sylvain Charlebois, Senior Director, Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Halifax, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sylvain, thank you for this. All right, take care. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. As we've been telling you, that new documentary on Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, debuted yesterday on Netflix. It debuted in the States on Sunday on ESPN, and then it debuted yesterday morning on Netflix in Canada. The first two episodes are now available. It is spectacular. Greg, did you watch them, by the way?
0: Oh, yes. The boys and I uh, sat and watched them both back to back and enjoyed them immensely, and so that... Got me uh crack and got me uh, digging into the archives to show them a couple things because they uh, very quickly became very impressed with the exploits of one Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, so you can actually see pictures of some of the stuff that Greg found uh, at on his Instagram at GMACWPG. Who's doing
0: dishes? Yeah, what is it?
5: was me.
6: <laughs> I, I keep forgetting you can hear that. Oh, I thought he was washing his memorabilia. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Jeff Braun working from home Kelly Moore's at home, Mackling's at home McNabb is at home So, uh, Greg, what, before we get to some of the stuff in your collection, let's just go around the horn here And uh, Why don't we start with Jeff Braun because I know uh, you take pride <laughs> What is
6: that? <laughs> I, thought I, turn, I thought I'd turn on the vacuum Just for
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> like, that a dust buster?
6: No, 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 no. It's a, uh, who's that guy? Dyson. It's a Dyson. Oh, wow. Right on. Yeah. Sounds powerful.
1: So Jeff, I know that, uh, you are, you take pride in just how sort of clean your place is and how empty it is in terms of clutter. Do you have any old stuff?
5: I, yeah, no, like you said, I'm really militant and I've just got, I, when the mood catches me, I declutter And then when that mood involves, like, not having a sentimental bone in my body for that evening kind of thing, and I've tossed out almost everything, the one thing I actually have hung on to was um, my slow-pitch jersey from when I was in high school, we were, a bunch of us in grade 12 got, we joined the Altona Men's Slow Pitch League, and we were terrible at it, but it was really fun, so for whatever reason I'm hanging on to that jersey, it will never fit me again, because I was 130 pounds in grade 12, and now i'm almost double that so but for some reason i can't throw it out
1: well hey at least there's there's one sentimental bone in your (laughs) body what about you kelly moore
6: oh i have uh one of those great big uh totes that uh is just jam-packed full of old tapes uh old uh, media passes and uh, former Western Hockey League and International and American Hockey League guides. I have no idea why I'm still uh, hanging on to them. My wife has even less of an idea of why I'm still (laughs) hanging on to them, but I I just can't let them go yet.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's hard to to just purge stuff. Jeff Fortier, what about you?
2: I'm going to have to say my drums I live in an apartment now. I don't live at my parents' place, so they
0: are at my parents' place, and they'll ask me, "Hey, do you want to do you want to like sell these, get rid of?" Them? I'm like, no, like I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's uh, that. Plus, I also I used to have old work shirts, and I kept in my closet at my parents' place. My dad got to them, and uh, they're gone. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Which uh, like what your Little Caesars, Little shirt? Caesars, uh, Toys R Us. And like I had, had quite a few little Caesar shirts because I worked there for quite a while, but
1: yeah, all gone. I think I still have my old Taco Bell hat, and I might have an. <laughs> of course old, you do. Yeah, and I think I, I still have an old Taco Bell T-shirt. They were—I don't know if you remember—but they were per, they were horizontal stripes, purple and I think teal. Uh, I've never really mm. understood that combination. So, uh, McNabb, what about you?
2: Oh, I have so much stuff I've kept over the years. Like Kelly, I have those totes filled with things, old tapes, and all the rest. But. Right now, I'm working out of the spare room in our basement, and I'm looking into our closet, which is also filled. I think I have three closets of my clothes. But on the top shelf is this helium balloon that says, I love you on it. And it was given to one of my siblings in high school, like for Valentine's Day. And then when we moved out of the farm, we found it in one of the closets Five years ago, and someone's like, "This defies logic. Why would this helium balloon still be like full of air?" And so it was passed on to me, and now I'm in charge of it, like it's the, like that if the balloon pops, the family will die or something. And everyone says, "You take care of that balloon." So now I have this, gotta be 28-year-old helium balloon full, saying "I love you," staring at me from the top of the closet right now. It's still in the balloon. That's strange. It's still it has lost no air I, I dare not touch it because I don't know what will happen to us if I do it,
6: it might have something to do with the uh, the occupant now having a full uh, amount of hot air But <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
6: okay so Mackling tell us about some of
1: the stuff you
0: found Well, I always think of Kelly as a pro's pro, but one Rubbermaid container? Kelly, you're in an amateur hour over there, aren't
6: you? Well, it's a big one, though, GMAC. It's a big one.
0: All right. Well, I I went through at least a dozen yesterday, and uh, (laughs) I posted pictures of a few. I found – you remember when Donnie Lalonde fought Sugar Ray Leonard? He he had a logo on the back of his – of a jacket called No Excuse for Child Abuse. I had one of these jackets and it is simply amazing to come across. The Jets t shirts must have been 75 Jets t shirts. Easy from different eras. Uh, the bull stuff we've already spoken about. But the thing that made me laugh the most was an autograph. That i got from elizabeth manley and yes brett you mentioned taco bell loren i'm going to mention chi chees and elizabeth manley won the silver medal at the calgary olympics in figure skating in 1988 and she walked into the lounge at chi-chi's i heard that she was in the building and i got a little giddy and i got up enough nerve to go and ask her for her autograph and my buddy al big al everybody who went to Chi-Chi's at Polo Park with no big gal. And he walks into the lounge and he goes with no trepidation whatsoever. Hey Mackling, is that the girl you were just jumping up and down about in the kitchen <laughs> that she's here in the building? <laughs> I went completely red and Elizabeth Manley made out an autograph to me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. So, Aww. so Aww. I got a, I had a nice little walk down memory lane yesterday. And one, one more thing real quick. Um, my wife gives me a hard time about this stuff. A lot of people do, but I came across this, uh, in a set of miniature Phoenix Coyotes hockey gloves and it's dated April 16th, 2001. It says, Greggy, I enjoyed packing your hockey things. You have such great stuff. Love the mini Phoenix gloves. Love you so much. And that's from my mom. And, uh, she planted it there and I, I found it after she passed away, and, um, and sometimes when I miss her, I just go into this uh, set of uh, hockey gloves and look at that note, and I had to show that to the boys yesterday. So, anyway, pardon me.
1: Oh, man, that was, that's really <sighs> touching, dude. Thanks for sharing yeah, so, that.
0: Yeah, hey, no, no, no problem at all. So
1: again, I think you...
2: that's why so many people keep cards, Greg and yeah. Brett, and because it, the handwriting. I have so many, and I and I am so glad to hear that you have it because you know it's going to mean something some way down the road. You just don't know when. So I think that's lovely. It's why so the the handwriting means so much. And that's uh, the...
0: the stories attached to the stuff, right? That's that's the thing for me.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm horribly sentimental, just horribly sentimental. And I I try to go through my stuff and say, okay, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of this. And I just can't because everything has a memory attached to it. And, uh, sometimes it's good to remind yourself of the things that you may have forgotten. So you can text us at 204-780-6868 of some of the random junk that you might be holding on to. I mean, we call it junk, but as Greg just mentioned, clearly what he is holding on to is not junk. So let us know, 204-780-6868. You can also send us pictures if you want. Kristen, send us a picture of this cute little Winnipeg Jets ornament that she's had from her childhood. Man, that is just adorable. And by the way, Tim texted us on the subject of marriage, because in our previous segment we talked about how 4% of married couples have this in common. They met in high school. Tim says don't get married, just find someone you hate and buy her a house. (laughs) 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 Zoinks. But now it is time
0: for (laughs) Ah! Breakfast with the Bombers!
1: guess I had to drag that out a little bit there. <laughs> Did you forget, Jeff? Yes. <laughs> well, you found it pretty quick there, buddy. You found it pretty quick. Well, I,
0: I had it ready to go. I just forgot to play
1: it. <laughs> it
2: it would be Tuesday, Borchee, if we got this right. This is how Tuesdays should go. <laughs> that
0: or, or Thursdays with uh, Small Town Salute.
1: Oh, that's right. You don't want me singing that. It's brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Now, he took over the Blue Bombers' Instagram page on Friday. He took over the Winnipeg Blue. Bombers offense in October of 2019, some say on this very play. Calaris was going to run. Now he's scrambling to his
6: left, to his right, back to his right, and he'll throw it deep into the end zone. Darvin Adams, touchdown Blue Bombers. What a play by Calaris and
0: Darvin Adams. And he is here to take over breakfast with the Bombers this morning, Greg. That's right, Brett. Proud new papa and starting quarterback for the Blue and Gold is with us. And we say good morning to Zach Calaris. Good morning, Zach. Hey, morning, fellas. How you doing? We're always doing great. Thanks for taking some time with us. Congratulations on the new addition to your family. That's uh, about as exciting as it gets. Uh, you like to do your exciting things all in bunches. It sounds like. Yeah, it seems that way uh, as of late.
7: It's definitely uh, an exciting moment for us, and uh, we're enjoying every day of it. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great ten days so far.
8: Right
0: right on well we look forward to having you nicole and baby sierra in winnipeg at some point in the not too distant future are you enjoying uh, the parenthood role this uh, shift in responsibility uh, life is suddenly a little bit more real than it was uh, three four weeks ago i suggest oh yeah
7: certainly a little more real um we aren't sleeping nearly as much as we uh, are accustomed to um but yeah definitely enjoying it um, she's a beautiful little girl and uh you know, you really never uh, thought you could love something this much, and um, this is definitely an eye-opening thing.
2: It's an eye-opening thing, and I'll, you know what? You probably only have about four to five years of sleeplessness to get. Two, so you're fine you got lots of time Zach so um you have yeah it's not
7: bad yeah
2: yeah Yeah, it's not bad just a couple years it'll be good uh you haven't lost a game as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber and we know at some point that will have to change but it has been a pretty surreal seven months uh football wise let alone parenting wise but football wise with all that's going on in the world right now how are you handling what will be an extended off season and maybe just trying to train through that as we wait to see when football will resume Zach
7: yeah, you know, just trying to take it one day at a time. Um, you know the old football cliche, control what I can control. You know, we none of us really know uh, exactly what, what's happening and uh, when we're going to be back and and all those things. So, um, you know, try to stay in shape. Uh, try to get my throws in as best I can in the backyard, and um, you know, keep a positive mindset about everything that's going on. Obviously, it's tough for everybody. Um, but, you know, you know, for me personally, it, the silver lining, obviously, is to spend more time with my wife and
1: our baby girl. So um, I'm just going to enjoy that until we find out uh, when we can report back. Have you had a chance to see any of Winnipeg other than IG Field, the airport, and uh, the Great Cup parade route? And are people telling you, hey, this is what you should be doing in Winnipeg once you get a chance?
7: I, I haven't got to uh, experience much of anything else, no, I, I know that the, everybody tells me summer in Winnipeg is, is a great time, and uh, so I was really looking forward to that, and hopefully I can still, um, you know, we can still enjoy some of that uh, this summer, um, I think we went to like one restaurant last year, beside the hotel we were staying at, uh, I think it was called Heath, if I'm
2: Highs, I'm maybe wrong. Highs?
7: Hi, yeah, so like not highs, no, 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 it was like an Italian, it was an Italian joy, it was good, oh. um, it was close to the uh the airport out there anyway i I haven't seen much of Winnipeg, but i I'm really looking forward to it, um obviously, you know, from playing the last eight years and, and being there at least once a once a season, I had to experience a little bit after after games, but not much uh not much. During the day, or not, not much. What's what's really going on around there? So we are excited for that, and can't wait to get back out there.
0: All right, the two-part food question. Then, since you brought it up, what is your favorite Uh, type of food to eat? Is it is Italian your go-to? Um, I'm not picky. Um,
7: if I yeah, if I had to choose one, it'd probably be Italian. But I think we like to cook that probably the most. It's it's probably the easiest, but yeah. not not easiest to taste great but easiest something to screw up for us at home but uh yeah we like a little bit of everything so um our, we've had a couple i don't know if they're, they're listeners to your station we met a couple in um we were in mexico like three se- three years ago uh after a season i think i just i actually just got traded to saskatchewan at the time and we were sitting at the bar and a couple from winnipeg uh was sitting across from us and they you know they leaned over and said hey are you so and they're like, "Yeah." And uh, they said, man, you know, you guys got to come up to Winnipeg and, and check it out. We had the best food out here. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, whether it's Greek or Italian or, you know, whatever else. And uh, I have to look them up next time, uh, you know, when we get out there and, and, and enjoy some of the, the great food.
0: You, you will be blown away. And uh, this is something Brett and I started about three years ago. What's your go-to sandwich?
7: <laughs> My wife's the sandwich queen, so probably a better question for her um i you know probably just falls right along right along with the uh, the italian theme i, I say it nice chicken parmesan or veal a veal parm
0: something Ooh. like that Oh, yeah! A very luxury, a luxury item. I like it.
1: Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, because Are you you do, do, out
0: there. Yeah, you can't beat it.
1: Yeah, because the, the the almost the almost every bomber we've spoken to ends up inevitably saying PB and J. So it's nice to hear uh, some variety in the mix here. Zach. <laughs> no way. And by Damn. the way, you're the latest uh, hero featured in the Heroes of Championship Way. Uh, what's it like to see yourself in the form of a comic book superhero?
7: Yeah, it's pretty cool. My uh, my seven year old niece really liked it, so uh, she was excited about it. It's a really cool thing. Um, Winnipeg's done, and it's kind of uh, fitting with, with what we're going through with our, our frontline heroes. You know, I, I've always I've always thought that you know we as athletes, you know, I, I think I think it's cool that people look up to us, but you know, we've always said you know the real heroes are you know the nurses, doctors, um, paramedics, you know, all those people. Uh, who really sacrificed their, themselves to go out there and, um, you know, save others. And it, it's it's a, it's a surreal time and happy they're getting their due for that, for sure. Well,
2: it's badly needed this time of year, I think. And just before we let you go, Zach, what, what's been the most challenging part for you and your family during this time of self-isolation and all the rest? I mean, having a baby and going into the hospital system and all the rest has to be challenging. But what have you found the things that you're missing?
7: yeah that that was definitely challenging i'd say for for my wife and i personally it's uh it's not being able to you know share this moment with our families um you know we live in toronto my my wife's family's from here so they're very close and um usually see them four or five times a week and you know not being able to uh you know have fears grandparents older um you know as well as as my parents can't come across the border right now you know they would have been here uh, without a doubt, the day that she was born uh, with my sister and, and brother. So uh, that's been difficult. You know, obviously, we're not special. There's, a, you know, a lot of people going through the exact same thing. But um, that, that, that'd be the one thing, that, you know,
1: we, we would agree that uh, has been the toughest part. Well, Zach Caleros, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. And once again, congratulations to you and Nicole on welcoming Sierra Calia Caleros into the world. Thank you, guys. From Winnipeggers sewing masks and gowns for healthcare workers on the front lines to food donations from our local restaurants, we've seen a lot of generosity from Manitobans' businesses and organizations over the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, and today we're adding another key group to the list, the Canadian Medical Association. It represents the majority of doctors in this country, and this morning it's making a $20 million commitment in the fight against COVID-19. With that money, it hopes to address immediate short-term issues and the long-term fallout of the pandemic and the impact it could have on our health care system for years to come, Lauren.
2: Dr. Gigi Osler is the past president of the Canadian Medical Association. She's also a surgeon right here in Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Osler. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on and thanks for sharing this news with us. It's a, It's a Big amount of money, a large amount of cash, $20 million. And I want to know, first of all, short-term issues for the people on the front lines. Where will this money go, or where do you
8: hope it goes? Well, I have to say, amidst this global pandemic and the tragic deaths in Nova Scotia, it is really nice to be able to come on to announce some good news and hope for the future. And this is one of the largest donations that we've seen in Canada against the fight of COVID-19 it's going to go to address the urgent needs identified by the medical community and to support frontline healthcare workers. And secondly, it's going to support innovations in the fight against COVID 19 because we not only have to deal with the here and the now, but we also need to think about the future and what does a post COVID 19 healthcare system look like? How are we going to get back to normal?
1: Well, what are some of those long term concerns that you
6: have?
8: Well, a lot of experts are saying expect a few different waves of COVID 19. And our health system right now, I mean, hospitals have literally reconfigured from flow of patients and separating those who may have the infection or have it to not. But it's come at the expense of canceling elective surgery. Um, we've seen the healthcare system pivot so that most of healthcare visits right now are done virtually. So post COVID-19, I think we really have to think about what are we doing now during the pandemic that we should keep in the future, like virtual visits, because they say the recovery from this pandemic is gonna take a while. We're gonna need to physical distance for a while. And virtual care, for example, That helps promote that physical distancing and allows for more capacity in the system. So there's multiple things we're doing now in the system that should stay because I think patients need it and I think the system needs it.
0: Dr. Osler, thank you for what you and your colleagues do every single day, obviously being highlighted right now. So would be remiss without uh, giving you a great big, huge thank you uh, in this time that we have with you. So, you know, uh, the, the, the medical systems changed so much over the years. Uh, I, I was reading something from my mom today and, and when I was born 51 years ago, she probably spent three or four days in the hospital when she had her mm-hmm. fifth child. I don't even know if she stayed overnight. And so this idea of changing, in the medical system and realizing that the sooner you get home the better it is for your health i can only imagine that the idea of keeping people out of doctors' offices out of the hospital via telemedicine is going to be one of the great gifts dare i say from this pandemic and you just sort of just touched on it just a moment ago
8: thanks for that and you know apart from virtual care you bring up having care in your community closer to home. And I think we're seeing the tragedy of the COVID-19 pandemic playing out with seniors, seniors in our long-term care home, uh, our vulnerable populations. And so this pandemic is really highlighting the need for better care in the community, better care in long-term care homes, personal care homes, and better care in our own homes. Uh, And that also helps reduce the spread of the the disease if we can look after ourselves and our loved ones better in the community it helps the healthcare system and it helps the pandemic
2: it gets back to what we've been talking about and what folks like yourself doctors have been saying for years dr osler and that's just the idea of preventative the more we do at home the less mm-hmm. stress we're putting on the whole system which might be something that really hits home in the next few weeks and months ahead
8: Mm-hmm. One thing I've been thinking of over the last week or so, you know, now that Canada seems to be flattening the curve, um, there's this uh, urgency or this you know, real desire to open things up. But the pandemic is teaching us that we have to hold the line. Uh, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we have to protect health. And we have to protect our vulnerable populations. We have to protect our seniors uh, and all of those who are being most affected by the pandemic. Everything you've talked about speaks to that.
1: Dr. Gigi Osler is the past president of the Canadian Medical Association. She's also a surgeon right here in Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Dr. Osler, thank you for this.
8: Thanks for having me on. And I just want to give out to all the essential workers and healthcare workers out there today.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as we were sharing with you yesterday, the price of oil dropped into negative territory for the first time in history. Too much being produced and not enough demand.
2: Here's just one of the numbers being used to try to paint the picture for us. So on Friday, the benchmark West Texas Intermediate was being sold for $18 a barrel. That's what you, as an investor, would have paid for it. Then prices crashed again, even further, and that barrel went into negative territory, meaning, technically... The company would be paying you, the investor, $37 a barrel just to take it off their hands. Too much of it being produced. They don't have anywhere to store it. Tom Vernon has more on this gloomy picture. Energy expert Richard
1: Masson says timing is playing a part as well. Oil contracts are traded on a month-by-month basis. And May contracts are up this week. With storage tanks full, people are doing everything they can to sell those contracts. They're going to do that at whatever they can get for it. And right now they're having to pay $35 a barrel for somebody to take that oil off their hands. It's not just WTI that went low. Sunday night, Premier Jason Kenney tweeted a screen grab of Western Canadian Select dropping into negative territory, saying the future of hundreds of thousands of Canadian jobs are at stake. This is not an Alberta issue. This is not an industry-specific issue. That this
0: uh, strikes right at the heart of the entire Canadian economy. As we heard from Grant White uh, about 40 minutes ago, oil has surged $33 a barrel, but it's still in negative territory. Demand has dropped so much that 20 million barrels of oil are being produced per day that no one can use. That has Canada's oil industry begging Ottawa for help. Rob Warren is a Manitoban now living south of the border where he's a marketing instructor at the University of North Dakota and joins us now. Good morning. Uh, How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're uh, hanging in there. The saying is, as well as can be expected. We heard the Premier of Alberta say in that clip, as he so often does, that this is a Canadian issue, not just an Alberta issue. Is he right?
5: He is right, because uh, let's face it, Alberta is one of the so-called have provinces in Canada, and if they're not running in the black... There's no money for equalization for other provinces like Quebec, Manitoba, or the Maritimes.
2: So, Not to mention the fact, Rob, we've got employees working in Alberta uh, from Manitoba who might be over there. And plus, we have our own uh, oil and gas industry here in Manitoba where we we export goods. And so it goes beyond Alberta's borders, Rob.
5: Well, it really does. But you think about uh, oil, not just Manitoba, Alberta, but Saskatchewan. But you also have to have a look at... The impact oil has on the entire Canadian economy and the fact that we use it in so many things from plastics to producing the feedstocks that go into well that's more natural gas but the feedstocks that go into fertilizers and things like that if that particular sector is hit hard you're gonna see a ripple effect throughout the entire Canadian economy and that's bad for everybody it might you might think it's great that gas is inexpensive right now but in the long run that's going to hurt the standard of living in the country
1: so is there a risk then to our national security
5: uh i think the the big risk is if we suddenly become much more dependent on foreign oil and that's why you've seen the big push to get the pipeline to go across the country so that we're energy independent. Now, if you want to have a look at that and then how that impacts what's going on today, take a look at what's happened down here in the U.S., where essentially the United States is energy independent. They don't have to import anything. What that's allowed them to do is be somewhat insulated from what's going on elsewhere in the world if they want to be. Now, the drive that that's caused, though, is the Russians and the Saudis aren't very happy with that because that's closed off a bit of a market and it started to cap prices out. So they've just decided to produce more and that's one reason why we've got a glut. The whole uh, uh, COVID issue has really accelerated that because now what we have is a huge drop in demand and we're gonna see that continue for a few years because it's gonna take that long for the airline industry to come back and they're a major consumer.
0: We're just about to have a minute or so here, Rob, but the Canadian dollar's at 70 cents. We've heard it said that the Canadian dollar is a petrol dollar, And so I think the last time that we were at par with the United States, about 10 years ago, oil was up over 100, maybe closer to $150 a barrel. So we were paying a lot more at the gas pump, uh, but, there is a, 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 a ramification for, for having oil so low in our Canadian dollar at 70 cents.
5: Yeah, uh, so actually it was about seven years ago because I was in Texas at the time, and I remember it was one of the few times in my life I had to pay more to get Canadian dollar. Uh, what you've got in that case is everything that's priced on the international market tends to be priced in U.S. dollars. So Canada is now paying more for other materials they need to build the machines in Ontario or to purchase goods that come in from Japan or the United States or wherever, that drives our prices up. That puts us at a uh, somewhat of a competitive disadvantage. And even exporting, most exporters don't like to see the dollar that low because it tends to put us into an area in pricing that we don't want to be in. We're seen as not a quality supplier.
1: Rob Warren is a Manitoba now living south of the border where he is a marketing instructor at the University of North Dakota. Rob, thank you so much for the time, sir. Much appreciated.
5: You're very welcome. Have a great day.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb didn't mention that the extended forecast is calling for 17 degrees on Sunday, 19 on Monday. And when the weather starts to warm up like that, it typically has many of us thinking, what, Greg? Patio! That's right, patio drinks. I like that. Uh, it's like a salute, like a... Like a uh, a battle cry. A
0: pronouncement.
1: That's right. A declaration. Patio drinks. To the patio we go. And one of the most famous patios in Winnipeg can be found on Cordon at Bar Italia, Bar I. But it's going to be much quieter this season thanks to the pandemic, Greg.
0: Yeah, as we've seen over the past few weeks, many Winnipeg restaurants have, have pivoted <laughs> to find creative ways to continue to serve their customers. And Bar I reached out to us to let us know what they're up to, Loren.
2: Rhea Collison is a managing partner at Bar I and joins us now on the start. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. Actually, is it Rhea or Rhea? I apologize. It's, no, it's good. It's, uh, it's Rhea. Thanks. Perfect. So uh, this is quite pretty exciting initiative you got going on. You've reopened for business, which uh, I'm curious what got you to that decision. But first, let's just start with the twist. How are you reopening? What's the change that you've made?
3: Well, we've gone from, uh, as you guys just said, uh, being one of the uh, best patios I think, in Winnipeg. We've been around a, a really long time, uh, since 1981, actually, which is so it's a little a little crazy for us to be uh, shut down or were shut down. But uh, we decided to come back and uh, give it a go and do, uh become a pickup and delivery curbside pickup and get things going that way and uh, just keep going with our coffee, our uh, non-alcoholic beverages, uh, because it's a handoff kind of situation, obviously. But uh, we've also just uh, MacGyvered, so to say, our, uh, our patio doors into a takeout window. So <laughs> we're going to be doing that like a drive-through kind of pick-up, walk-up, and uh, see how that goes.
0: Absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, are your uh, garlic fries on that list of things I can get in your uh, new walk-through?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've actually got our full menu, our Barai Deluxe Fries, including, you know, the the awesome uh, garlic and herb ones. And we've got uh, all the other flavors that we do, like the cheddar and jalapeno. And whatnot. we've got our uh, burgers. We have um, pizzas, salads, bowls, like everything, full menu. And uh, our full coffee and, uh, I guess, iced coffee menu as well. So everything from, like, iced teas and uh, ice cream floats to a nice latte or a nice matcha. So, so looking
1: forward to it. Uh, no, I, I don't drink coffee. Uh, Greg doesn't drink coffee. So neither of us can speak to this. Uh, McNabb, I think, drinks b- enough coffee for the both of us. Is oh, that I like my
2: coffee. Yes. Yeah.
1: Fair, fair. Now, I understand you are renowned for your Italian coffee at Bar Italia. Is that true? And if so, why? What What's uh, so special about it?
3: Well, I guess, well, we started off as an Italian coffee bar, which in Italy is, uh, you know, a community place, uh, not so much uh, necessarily with alcohol, but it, I mean, we evolved into that, but uh, we make authentic Italian cappuccino, latte, espresso, uh, but we also have decaf for those of you uh, that can't, can't do the regular, uh, but we've also turned that into, you know, the modern day versions of a few other drinks that uh, would appeal to non-coffee guys like yourselves. But we uh, we take a lot of pride in the in the coffee, and uh, it definitely keeps us all going. And that's a basis for a lot of our community. Like we have customers that have been coming there for thirty five years, thirty six years. So it's pretty awesome.
2: I would define coffee if you find a good place. It's almost like one of those comfort foods, especially when you know someone who knows how to make it right, or they have the beans you like, or just maybe just even the surroundings is what draws you in. And that's what's missing for so many people is just going to that place that they love. Maybe not even the food or their coffee, Rhea, but just the place. And so I'm curious, when you guys decided to reopen, you obviously crunched some numbers because I don't know if in the beginning you thought maybe it wouldn't go on this long or if you just changed your mind along the way, but you're you're trying to bring a bit of your flavor back into the community. So what brought you there?
3: Well, just try again, like you know give back something some normalcy uh not only i mean I have to say honestly for myself uh you know I, I've not been unemployed. Since I was fifteen years old, so it's uh been a little odd uh to not be you know going in every day, and so uh with my staff as well like we were I'm lucky enough that um nobody's uh, obviously been sick at all, and uh, we were able to all be self isolated for a couple of weeks there and then just I called out and said, "Hey, who wants to do this and You know, I'm I'm lucky. I have fabulous team, and just having uh, a strong base of customers, uh, we got a lot of texts and uh, messages on social media, just saying, "Hey, you know, how do we do this?" And I just said, "You know what? Let's try it out." And you know, it it is tough. It's obviously not going to be the same kind of numbers at all. But you know, I I looked at it and thought, "Well, you know what? Things will start to come back at some point." Um, I think we're going to be lucky enough to be able to hit the ground running uh, when, as things you know evolve and restrictions lift, and we do have that giant patio. We have one down the side, we have one on the front and if at some point they allow people to even be, you know, socially distancing on a patio. Uh, you know, and even if that is just to have a coffee or a, a cold drink or a snack and just be able to uh, say hello to somebody or wave. I mean, I stand outside and I watch customers go by and it's been uh, just thrilling even really and just emotionally uplifting for me and, and I know my staff to be able to see people in the area and just wave and say hi and, So, you know, it has everything to do with that. I mean, it's worth it. It's not always just about money. I mean, it is to keep going, but as long as we can just keep Mm -hmm. ourselves relevant and happening, like, I'm happy with that.
0: You know, uh, as much as I am appreciating some of the benefits of of working from home, I'm definitely missing my co-workers and that socialization that we get from being together and that that connection Uh, I'm just always curious uh, uh, how you create a phenomenon. Uh, usually it happens by accident. Uh, Bar Italia, th- th- something special about that place and that patio, uh, it- it's as, as basic as they come, right? It's just a, really a chunk yeah. of concrete on, on the side and the front <laughs> of, your, of your establishment. But yep. it's the neighborhood that you're, you're in, and you've been a big part of creating that neighborhood vibe.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like that is, it, and, and definitely it's a community thing. And, you know, I know now these days, I mean, I, I, literally uh, companies uh, will open up and build. I know there's my error quotations, a, uh, a grunge bar, and I don't like even that term. But the reality is they're trying to look for something that, you know, build something instantaneous that took, you know, 30 odd years to create. And it's, it's layered with people and stories and, uh, you know, my staff, again, like I have, you know, Staff that have worked on and off and uh, come back and gone out to do other great things. And same with client uh, customers that, you know, they move away and then they come home at Christmas and the first thing they get off a plane and they head right to, to see everybody. It's, and again, I don't like to use even referring to us like a cheers because you know it's an old adage <laughs> or really a, a little bit of a different environment, but it is that kind of community where I have put it this way. We have customers that are, um, uh, They've been coming there for 30 years and they know they have friends that are their best friends when they're in there and they've literally never seen each other outside of the place, but they're, they see each other, you know, every day in there. So I think it has everything to do with that and just that comfort level. And that's how you, we're lucky enough to have that. You can't buy it. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, Mm. it's totally organic.
1: So the website is bariwpg.com. You do have delivery options yeah. available through third party apps like uh, like Doordash. Mm-hmm. But you all this this pickup window, this walk up pickup window, is that up mm-hmm. and running now?
3: We're gonna we're operating out of the front door right now, and we're doing completely functioning that way. But yeah, the, the new window, uh, we're just waiting for the last piece to be put on the outside of it today, and then we'll be opening that tomorrow. And I'm hoping it's going to be the the 10 or 11 degrees they promised because that'll definitely help it's been a little chilly uh having the front door open uh, these last you know week or so but uh we're excited to do that it's going to be uh, it's great it's got a slider with a screen and everything so it's actually pretty cool and uh i'm very lucky again uh, it's another sign of the community that that we come from that uh You know i could reach out and have a customer who's a carpenter that just said you know sit there and listen to me ramble on you know not you know i I couldn't uh, square a corner if you if you paid me but uh, he seemed to know what i was talking about and just constructed it and put it up within a few days and so i'm super impressed and then we have local artist pat Lazo uh who came by and painted i mean he did the murals on my building to begin with but uh he just came in and I had got him to put some uh, window painting up so that people would know we we're open because that's also very difficult is letting people know that you're you're actually back in action once you've shut down. Like, that's a huge challenge.
1: Well, and so. tomorrow is, I mean, there's this new initiative now uh, to support local restaurants on Wednesdays uh, yeah. called Canada Takeout Day. So if you get that window up and running by tomorrow, that could be yeah. uh, perfect for you.
3: Yeah, no, that's another fan- excellent initiative. and um Again, like, uh, you know, it's funny because some people say, well, isn't that every day? <laughs> well, no, like, we're actually, no, Wednesdays are special now. Okay, don't <laughs> take that away from me. But, uh, but no, last week when it started, actually, it, it, we did see a little increase, a little boost, and, uh, people are excited to come out, and it's great again, like, when you get to, you know, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I've I always appreciated my, my position and what I've done and, you know, being able to deal with people because, uh, I've been at it about 30, like this is my 35th year of this kind of thing. And I honestly, it never gets old. I I really do love what I do. So it's the people that make it, uh, make it really fun and, I can't, you know, I'm more grateful than ever. Let's put it that way. That's what the pandemic's taught me.
1: Raya Collison is a managing partner at Bar I. joining us live on 680 CJOB. Raya, thanks for reaching out to us. And uh, this is a really cool, creative idea that you've come up with here to sort of reinvigorate the community, the cord and strip as everyone's kind of gone into hiding. So thanks for talking to us today. We appreciate it.
3: Right on. Thanks so much for having me. And hey, don't forget to stop by. And I've got other things. You don't have to have coffee, even though I think you should.
1: Well, I saw, I saw a Reuben sandwich <laughs> on the menu. I love a good Reuben sandwich. So I think I might have to try that uh, because I'm, I'm hungry, quite frankly. I'm getting hungry.